going to wing this intro. <laughs> I can cut whatever. That's cool. <clears throat> hey, everybody. This is Matt Halpern, Justin Goodman, and Jordan Goodman. Hi. Yeah. With the Chocolate Croissants podcast. This is episode 15. Thank you guys for sticking with us this long. We actually can't believe that anybody wants to listen to us. So the fact that you're 15 episodes in is pretty fucking incredible. Um, before we get going, I want to give a shout out to our Facebook group, which is uh, located at facebook.com slash groups slash chocolate croissants. The interaction and the engagement the past week has been really awesome. Um, I'm sure Justin and Jordan would agree, and I've seen them actually posting quite a bit themselves, but just the the, the posts, the questions, the honesty that, that we're seeing there is really inspiring, and it's why we're doing this. We want you guys to feel like you can contribute to our conversations and talk to us and ask questions, so kudos to you guys. Keep it up. Uh, as always, I want to give a quick shout out to Rode Microphone for providing us with these excellent microphones that we can... Uh, broadcast our voices into your ears with. Uh, if you are interested to learn more about Road Mike, it is R-O-D-E-M-I-C.com, or you can follow them at Road Mike on all of the socials. Today, I am very, very excited because we have our first like in-house guest with the OG crew. Like This is the first guest we've had with... Well, no, it's not, actually. We've had Kevin the drummer, but that was kind of like... Uh, that was, was unplanned. That was unplanned. This is like this has been planned for weeks. Like, it's it's been it's I've been excited about it. So we have Josh White from the uh, restaurant called Smoke, also known as Hickory Smoke Goodness. I think you can find them at hickorysmokegoodness.com and on the socials at also at Hickory Smoke Goodness. Um, I've known Josh for a very very long time now. We go back all the way. We were talking probably like two thousand five or two thousand six. We met initially in Los Angeles, and we'll get into that. But Josh is here now. He owns one of my very favorite restaurants in the world, I would say. I frequent his restaurant quite often. Um, he's the owner. He's the chef. He has some amazing recipes. He's a very, very cool guy who um, who I've looked up to for a long time. And uh, we have a lot in common. We have very similar friends. And I thought that it would be really good to bring Josh on as a guest because he has an amazing story. He's very, very talented. I think all of our listeners can relate to some of the challenges that he's been through. And I think he's a good dude for you guys to get to know. So with that being said, Josh, welcome to the Chocolate Croissants podcast. Hey, guys. I feel very honored right now, just so you guys know. That's awesome. I feel special. I feel special. We woke the dog up with the clapping. <laughs> the dog, the dog doesn't like the clapping, but that's okay. So, um, one thing that that I think is really really cool that you may know or may not know at this point, Josh, is Jordan and Justin are like insane fans of professional wrestling, like insane professional wrestling fans. So that's awesome. The first time we went, or the first time that I brought Jordan to smoke, or we met, I think we met there lunch the first time he was like whoa and tell him what you're telling what i'm talking about yeah so when you order at smoke you get uh, a thing to put on the table a table number deal and there's different trading cards on each and i guess your theme is more 80s pop culture correct and i got some wwf wrestler and for me it was like holy shit that is how to hook me uh <laughs> for any brand or experience um 
I didn't taste the food yet. I heard Matt's testimony of how great it was. But even just that small thing made me want to give your business money. Um, and and a, in a bit, we'll talk more about just vision and brand and things like that. That's what I'm really interested in. Um, but it just took you giving a shit to like provide something memorable. And for me, that really stuck. And I really enjoyed that. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, that's awesome. That's very, very cool. Um, I'm not really as much of a wrestling fan. I kind of am because these guys are and I like what they are into. Um, it sounds like we're married. You know, we support each other. I may not <laughs> like it, but I support you. But uh, what I like about Smoke, aside from the food, which is the obvious, is we talked about this last week when we were sort of prepping people this week, uh, are the bathrooms. Mm-hmm. Talk about the bathrooms real we quick. We have maybe the most killer bathrooms in the world. Yeah. So uh, everything that you see at Smoke is part of me and my partner, Keith, who's my best friend of 20 years. Um, so we decided we wanted to do something cool with the bathrooms, and we've seen some people take pieces of magazines or old dictionaries and put it up on the wall. Man, we went out and got a ton of old 1980s hairband magazines, you know, Metal Edge, Hit Parader, and Keith spent months ripping these things out and like these are pictures of single artists and these are bands and these are ads and we went nuts and we wallpapered all the walls or nothing but vintage real 1980s uh hit parader metal edge hairband magazines so what was that technique to get it onto the walls yes how, like how did you do that was it like, a, like well we had to first call a female and say how do we do this and then after that and a few youtube videos uh there's stuff called Mod Podge, ah. I just learned. And you it's like this clear glue, and you basically, it seals it on there and keeps it on there and keeps it uh, coated so you can clean it pretty easily, like all in one shot. It was really easy to do, really easy. So when I was younger, I would buy Hit Parader, and I would rip out, I think it was like Corn and Limp Biscuit, one of my favorite bands was the New Metal era, and I would put them all over the wall, but I ruined them all with tape. Well, so I could have used, what is this? It's a rookie mistake. Mod- it's, 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 everyone's done Hodgepodge, Mod- 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 Podge. And I do love when I go through your Instagram, almost every day now it seems like there's the music that sets the tone for the day, that sets the tone for what's going on. Um, not necessarily the songs you guys are doing, but, some, but you'll play a song, and then there will be this scan of, hey, check this out, and then a zoom in on, say, Ozzy or something. And it's great. And then I feel like, all right, now I feel connected to the place, and I'm ready to come in. Yeah, we're going to talk about that in depth, too. But before we get into that, and even before we get into, like, how we met in the history, one of the things that I found so impressive that I knew about before you guys even opened the doors was you and Keith did everything DIY. Like, you com- you took that space that you guys were in and completely gutted it, yep. redid everything. The floors, you built the, the I mean, you built everything. Everything. Walls, what did you do? Like, I mean... How did, so, did you and how did you guys even know how to like? Do you have a background in had carpentry? A, we had and a, another friend, you know, I'm I'm, I'm quite handy. Uh, Keith isn't as much, um, and we have another friend that was extremely handy. So we got this shell of a place that was completely disgusting and looked nothing like it does now. And we took 75 days, and I designed the place myself, and the three of us did everything um, from. Every, all the paint, redoing the floors, installing the equipment, uh, building walls. I mean, everything you can think of. The three of us did everything ourselves. Lighting, everything. I learned a lot. I, I remember seeing like videos that you guys were posting on Facebook at the time of, of like Keith in particular, like 
power washing the floors, I oh, think. Yeah, or like, yeah. I mean, it was really, it was crazy to see it come together. But I remember walking in the first time, um, had to be within the first week or two of being open. And I was just like blown away. I was blown away because I saw what it was. And I actually, so my friend Ari, wa, who is the current owner of Fazini's, okay. was located right next to you. Yep. So, I mean, I knew that space for the most part really, really well. And he's not, he's not in that location anymore. But it's just, it was, it was very cool to see. And it was like, okay, these guys are fucking serious. Like, they're not just coming in and setting up shop in some place that's nice and cushy. Like, you put some real sweat into this thing. Yeah, I yeah, mean, I mean, it's, really. it's, it's, it was 75 days of, like, 8 to 12 hours a day of hammering nails. Summertime, and, too, right? Yeah, we started in August. So August and September, there was no air in there yet. I mean, we were dying. It was it was brutal, and it was like, I remember, like, Keith loves bringing this up. There was a moment, like, halfway through that I started screaming, and I was like, I'm beginning to think this whole thing is a terrible fucking idea, you know, and looking back now, it's like, all right, man, I think, uh, I think we're going to be okay, you know? But that, I mean, isn't that how, isn't that how it is with with everything that's worth doing? At some point, you reach your wit's end and you throw your, you throw your hands up in the air and you're like, God, fuck, you know? Like it's never easy. No, it definitely wasn't even close to easy. Yeah, for sure. So okay, so let's go back. So you and I met, as I said, in 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 Hollywood, 2005 or 2006. I met you through Keith, I think. Right. Uh, is that correct? Or did we meet because of Swing House? I think maybe both. I okay. think it was like, hey, my buddy Matt is coming into town, and then you ended up coming to Swing House for something. I was at that time a uh, recording engineer and producer looking to just make demos and record bands and, and do things like that, working at a really cool studio. The guy that runs it now, Phil Swinghouse, is it still Phil? Was that yeah. Phil yeah. then? Phil. So yeah. Phil's okay. So yeah. for the listeners, um, Swinghouse is a it's a it's kind of a multifaceted location where bands or artists can go and rehearse. Amazing rehearsal rooms, rehearsal studios. They have beautiful recording studios. They're actually in a really. Have you seen the new place I yet? Bit, yeah, unlo- only online. Yeah. They're in an amazing new location now. But um, I guess I met Phil even back then through you, Josh. Mm-hmm. And I've managed to maintain a, a really good relationship with Phil throughout nice. the years. He's actually a rep for D'Addario um, and is one of my Evans Drumheads uh, artist relations guys oh, on the West Coast. So like... Small world, man. Phil and I, uh, we haven't, we actually haven't talked in a long time, but I love Phil. We've got, I got tons of stories and we've had a yeah. great time together. We've done business together. So that's a cool spot. And it... it it actually, I didn't remember that that's where you were working until you brought it up to me today. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's crazy. I've done like drum clinics there yeah, and shit, yeah. you know? So that's cool. So, yeah, yeah. Phil was the first guy that you, Matt introduced me to when I moved out to LA four or five years ago and said, hey, you got to go hang out with this guy, Phil. I think based on the personalities, maybe you guys could strike something, you guys could get something going. And I don't even remember the particulars, but we went and we got coffee and we sat down. He was great. I went back. Um, it was I was a bass player and bass player live was at um, was at SIR is right there mm-hmm. right yep. uh, which was on my street and then there was a Diadario after party so I went and it was at the same place it was at Swing House and it was you know and I haven't thought about that since you mentioned it or since you met you that's know, fucking either crazy. Of yeah yeah and Justin lived in in Hollywood too for a while nice weird yeah it's too weird well, well you know it wasn't for me a lot of a, a lot of us and I wasn't there very long at all but a lot of people from here have migrated out there or have gone and come back. So uh, what was 
you know, what did you like about living out there? And, and how did you even end up going from sound engineer, recording studios, living in Los Angeles to being a badass chef and restaurateur? Well, Matt, <laughs> um, so I'm in L.A., and I'm having a great time recording bands and doing the, the whole thing. Um, at some point, I got really, really burned out of it. Like, just had no desire and no passion to even want to do anything in music anymore. This is after doing recording for some years. I got into management with a couple guys for a little while and did everything, you know. And at some point in the 2000s, the music industry started really falling apart. Um, and I saw a lot of these guys that didn't have jobs anymore. They didn't know how to do anything else. You know, and so I started thinking about what else can I do? What else am I passionate about? Well, I left recording and all that and just got a regular job. And during that regular job, I was really experimenting at home with cooking. In LA, you could get any type of cuisine, anything, any time of the day, any time of the night, anything you want, you can get. And I think living there and just being in Hollywood and traveling around really, really opened my eyes to different types of food. And I think in, in LA is where I really started falling in love with food. Now, growing up, my mom had a couple restaurants, and she wasn't a, a trained chef, but she had cafes, and it was fun, and it was cool, and she was always cooking food. So I always kind of had this thing in my heart about food. Uh, I decided I wanted to go to culinary school. I'm in LA. I'm like, there's no way I'm, you know, I was 29 at the time. I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to work full time, go to school full time, pay my rent, pay for school, all these things. What am I going to do? I was kind of at its crossroads, and I, you know, I was like, maybe I just need to go back east, you know, and just, you know, figure it out and not quit, but just figure out what the next step is. It's not here in L.A. for me. So I packed up, moved back to Pennsylvania, started at culinary school uh, within like a couple months. Um, had an amazing instructor that was relatively the same age as me. He was only there for a year and really made me fall in love with food, like really fall in love with it. And it was a passion that I hadn't felt until I really started getting into music. And I was like, oh man, this could be really, really, really fun. So as far as that as an education, how is that different from a normal college? Are you in actual classes? Are you starting and ending with the same group of people? Uh, it was at, um, I lived in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and the community college there had a really great culinary program. So I have an associate's degree, still had to take a lot of the core classes. And fortunately, when I was... <laughs> When I was 19 years old, I flunked out of community college, but I did well enough in all those core classes back in 1994 that they counted towards credits. So I focused on basically just uh, cooking classes. It took about uh, just under two years, did an internship while I was there, and I mean, I, did, I was the best student that went through that school probably like ever. I mean, I just was so in love with everything I did. I put 110% into everything. And like, so there had to been sleepless nights I would imagine because I'm putting myself in your shoes of getting settled in, in Los Angeles being there for how many years were you there uh, almost nine years right being there for nine years stopping what you were there for moving back home which in and of itself can be kind of I don't want to say like uh it, it deflating I guess no but that's no that's a really good word you know like did you so did you move back home like with mom and like well I was staying with my brother at the time okay. he had a place so it's with my family and it was like I mean I went from Los Angeles to Harrisburg Pennsylvania a lot of we've gotten a lot of questions from people that are like how do I know I'm on the right path which path do I take where you know what direction do I go how did you know that it was worth going back home going to school 
living it day to day. You know, I, I, I didn't. I knew it was going to be a gamble. I knew I was going to miss Los Angeles. I knew I had a whole life that I built for almost a decade there. It's a long time. Um, once I started school, I like, literally immediately was like, this was 100% the right choice. I mean, everything I wanted to do or everything they were telling me, it was like learning something, like never hearing these words before. And like what I thought I knew about cooking, I knew nothing, you know, and there's this whole world out there and it's this creative thing and there's just this basic set of rules that you just have to kind of follow and you could kind of do whatever you want with it. And that hit me like that. And I was like, this is what I want to do. This was the right choice. I don't always have to stay here, but I'm going to stay here and learn how to cook and then I'm going to figure something out. When you were in LA and you were experiencing all the good food out there, was, was there a cuisine or was there a, a country of origin? Something that really drew you in and then how was it then when you went to culinary school and you probably start with the basics, how was it to get through that and then finally be able to come up with what you really want to do? Um, definitely Mexican and Korean. Uh, by far, still my favorites and obviously in L.A., huge, you know. Um, going through culinary school, I had all these things in my head I wanted to try, but you have to learn to do this stuff first. And my instructor would push me because he kind of saw something in me. I wasn't 19 years old. I was... 31 years old, you know, starting college, so I wasn't just trying to go through the motions. Um, and when I would do something, he would make me do it a little different than everyone else. He'd be like, okay, that was pretty basic, but why don't you think a little differently? And he started getting my, my wheels going about, you don't have to just put this, this, and this on a plate. You know, you can make it look really cool, or you could just get inspired by those flavors and do something different. So I couldn't wait to try, like, oh, I remember I used to eat this in LA, or I had this, and those were things I could just basically try at home, but I didn't even know what I was doing yet. And I was like, it really was almost frustrating because I had almost this whole set, the skill set, and I'm still learning things, and I just wanted to have all the skill sets so I could just do whatever I want. So it was, it was hard to get, through, uh, to get through school without learning the exact things that I wanted to, to learn, but you know, here I am now, and I'm cooking everything that I want. It's awesome. So being that age, going back to college, were a lot of the other people more 18, 19, early 20s? Yeah, it was, uh, it was a good mix, but there was a lot of people that were, you know, under 22 years old. And a lot of them just saw it as like, well, I'm just in, it's high school, it just ended, I'm just here, and I'm going through the motions, and blah, blah, blah. And I, you know, I didn't hang out with those people because I was 10 years older than them, and I just was like, I'm just going to focus on this. I never did good in school, ever, my whole life. And I was like, for once, I'm going to focus on this, and I really love it, and I'm just going to be the best at it. And everything I did, it was 100% through everything I did, grade-wise, through the whole schooling. That's such an advantage, and I know Justin and I touched on this in one of the first few episodes, but Justin can relate because he's 30 and now back in school um, with you know a chosen major that he's very passionate about and has been living prior to getting the formal education. And I know even for me going to grad school at the time, it's like, if you know why you're there, you have a vision, you're actually making the most of the time and energy and money of getting an education. And that way you have such a leg up because the way I like to say it is I didn't go to school to get A's. I went there to build a career for myself. And I think if you're listening to this and whether you're in college now or thinking about going back at some point or just starting it sometime soon, um, yeah, if you're 17, 18, there's a lot of value in just going to college for the life experience, for the social experience, to try a lot of different things. But if you really can connect the school with a vision, everything opens up. 
it felt good for me to go with purpose every day. And it seemed like you had that. It lit you, you know, literally lit you up. To yeah, be absolutely. Doing I mean, I look forward every day to going, what are we going to learn today? What am I going to learn to cut today? What am I going to learn to cook today? What technique am I going to learn today? And how can I make that into something that's my own? And that's the best thing a professor could get from a student. And I'm sure different professors probably saw that in you and probably hooked themselves to you because that's where they can have the most potential in education. Absolutely. I think it's great um, that you were looking forward to everything. It wasn't like you're zoning in on, oh, I want to learn specifically how to make that great street taco or something that was more up your alley that you were probably like, well, let me jump from zero to 33 because I'm ready to go there. But it's great now that you have this very well-rounded background, which is something that even if you have your why, like Jordan's talking about, of why you're going back to school, don't forget that when you take those other classes, try to get as much what you can out of it that's pertinent to what you want to do. Because now, when I look at your product and material and what you put out, your presentation's always on, on point, and I look at what seems like how you would build your flavors and your sauces and everything else that comes together, and that really makes a dish. Thank you. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah, everything I do, everything I do is for a reason. You know? Yeah, Smart. we're going to talk about the food for sure, because <laughs> I love the food. Um, but so, okay, so when you finished school, then what? How did you end up going from essentially being a, for lack of better word, classically trained, classically trained chef to a, what I would call now a very modern chef? So uh, what's, what's the time period like there? Well, while I was in school, still, there was, uh, everything just happened for a reason. I, I met a friend who was taking these classes, and he was two years younger than me. He has been an executive chef for eight years at that time and was just going to get a degree so that he could eventually get a raise. You know, he's worked for hotels and this and that. And if you have this degree, you can make more money. So um, halfway through the whole program, he got an offer to open a new restaurant, be the chef at a restaurant. He was putting together a team. And one day I mentioned something to him and he was like, well, why don't you come and try to cook with me? You know, I never cooked in a restaurant before. Didn't know what that was gonna be like. In school, you have an hour here, make this dish, and you have an hour. Okay, you know, you take your time, but, you know, when you're in the thick of it in a restaurant and you got to make 15 things in the next eight minutes, you know, it, it, it's frustrating. And if you've never done it before, it's extremely stressful. I can honestly say that I adapted to it, like, as fast as anybody possibly can, and within three months of never cooking before, I was promoted to sous chef of this kitchen. Um, and I took that opportunity and listened every day to what he told me on how to be a chef. You know, uh, my instructor in school taught me how to cook. And my first chef I ever worked for, Alan, still friends with him, he taught me how to be a chef, how to run a kitchen. What's the difference? Uh, do you know how to cook anything? I made this turkey that Justin's eating. <laughs> All right. And well, that's so you, like the extent I put a, a season. Yeah, sure. I'll take a little bit. Oh, God, this is like chopped. <laughs> break it down. Break it. Be harsh. Could we do like the Gordon Ramsay tweets? For this, please. Yes. No. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. It's got good flavor. Nice. I'm not a turkey fan, though. So I'm gonna eat, we're eating all your turkey. Sorry. That's cool. That's all I was gonna do. Yeah. I told him I'd make him some more. <laughs> anyway, uh, when you leave school, you you possess a certain set of skills and you learn how to cook. When you work in a restaurant as a cook, line cook, you learn how to do that, which means you could make something on the saute station, you can make something on the grill station, you could do this specific thing. When you're a chef, um, you're a manager. You have to be able to not only run that whole line and make sure everyone else is getting the food done properly and on time and efficiently, 
but uh, you got to worry about budgeting. You got to worry about purchasing. You got to worry about uh, payroll. You got to worry about all the expenses, everything like that. So you take on a lot more, you know, responsibility in that, in that aspect. And it's definitely something that you have to learn. How much, how, how hard was it to learn about inventory in that sense? Because I, I would imagine that there's a lot of younger cooks, and I mean younger in, this, in the timeline of from going from cook to sous chef to chef. Like, don't, is, are they wasteful? Are you ever, are, you know, do you ever see people like wasting sauces or, or too big of cuts of meat or too much food here? So, so good story. Uh, the chef that I learned to, to work under, um, we would trim steaks and there's a silver skin and a little bit of fat on top of the steak when you cut it. So we would trim all that off and he would save it. And I never knew what he would save it for. And then when somebody would get in trouble and do something bad, he would take it out and make them cut all the meat out of it and then grind it down. And he says, that's how you send your kids through college. And I said, what do you mean? He says, we could use everything. So I learned from him not only how to be a chef, but how to use every single bit of everything that I use. So if I get something in and I have to trim something off of it, I use that for something else, 100%, every single thing. Waste is, you might as well just throw your dollars in the trash can. That's what I figured, yeah. What's a good example of that currently at Smoke? Uh, for example, we're doing these Korean uh, ribs lately. So I take a spare rib and I cut it into a St. Louis style rib, which means I cut the, the top edge of it off so it has cartilage in it. Make the ribs, so I have all the stuff left over. I freeze it, you know, we build up enough of it. We smoke that, then you got smoked rib tips. You know what I mean? So that's two different features I could do with one, you know, one dish. Yeah, do you ever use, use it for like stock of any kind? Yeah, uh, so all of our chickens, yeah. we get in whole, and I cut the backs out of all the chickens. And I save up all those chicken backs, and we make our own chicken stock for a lot of our dishes. That's awesome. Yeah. Can we come get some stock? Can we come buy some stock, smoke stock? You guys can. Bone broth. Just you guys. Yeah, we need some bone broth. We're, me and Justin are on some serious health kicks right now. I want the <laughs> collagen. Yeah. Yep. The good stuff. The good stuff. Probably yeah. goes well with chocolate croissants. It goes well with chocolate croissants and uh, the meal that I had for breaking my fast today. Which was? Why don't you ask Josh? I did see that you posted that you were there, so break it down. What that did you get? would be Tuesday's special, which is our smoked cheesesteak. We take our smoked beef, smoked for like 16, 17 hours, shred it up, throw it in a sub roll with some melted cheese, jalapeno mayonnaise. Which is, I think that uh, is the best part. Thank you. I feel like you're singing the song to right, me. Right, every time I say <laughs> jalapeno mayonnaise, I think I'm singing a lyric. That's you know? what I remember from this morning, for <laughs> sure. Oh, that's great. That's good stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it, what, are you, what are you smoking it with? Hickory. Hickory. Hickory smoke goodness. Good. Always? Always. Never, never. Applewood or... We'd have to change our website then. Okay, the that's whole, fair. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. There would never be maybe a special where you decided, hey, we're going to go for it. No. Nope. Man, he's staying brand consistent. Brand consistent. I like it. You know what? It, it works. It definitely works. Thanks, man. Yeah, that cheesesteak. Boy, I'll tell you what. It's really good. If you guys listening ever get a chance to go to smoke on a Tuesday in particular, get the cheesesteak. If it's in stock, yeah. If if they're still left, I was like, I was like, one of your first customers? Right. I was like, I texted you. I yeah, I got like, a text message from Matt that was like, "Hey man, I need to get a cheesesteak. Please hold me one." Yeah, I like I saw it today. And I was like, <laughs> "Fuck this!" Like I saw you pick up the Cunningham rolls this morning when you're snap. Yep. I, was, I was following. I was like, "Oh, that's what's up." Yeah, oh, I've man. only I've only ventured in one time, but I think Matt and I are maybe gonna come on Sunday. Okay, I'm cutting weight for a competition on Saturday, so not the right time, but. I was I was going to a, a CPR or something um, at the gym on the other end. Okay. And I remember Keith from where he worked and, and always seeing him and knowing him growing up and seeing him play shows. And um, I kind of saw him through the window 
when I saw the sign, I put two and two together, and I said, oh, I got to go in here. And I walked in, and I tried a Notorious P.I.G. Nice. Oh, and Which I, is what? Um, let's see. It was a, a brioche bun, which that was the star, with the great coleslaw, mm-hmm. and, and the barbecue was just yeah, so on point. Yeah, pork. And, and I'm normally, like, pretty meh when it comes to barbecue. I'm a pretty tough critic because I just think, like, well, this is not the best, or this is not that great, or the sauce, or something is just off. But as a foodie, I was like, oh, this is so on point. And it was all, it, the roll sent it over the top. Thanks, man. For sure. Thanks. So nice job. Appreciate that. Thank you so much. I was in there, yeah, when I was in there the other day, I was talking to you and some dude just walks over to say goodbye and he was like, this is the best barbecue I've ever had. Yeah. And you told me you get at least one of those every e- day. Every single day, somebody will say, this is the best fill in the blank I've ever had. And, you know, people, there's a lot of barbecue out there. People have eaten a lot of barbecue. It's not like we're such a small niche thing that's like no one's ever tried this before, you know. It's got to keep you going. Oh, yeah. No matter yeah, what mean, happens in a day, oh, this, this is the best ever. Oh, right, okay, cool. Right. I'm good like, for another day. I never get tired of hearing that. Like, that makes my, you know, I'd love... I just want to cook food to make people smile and say this is the best thing I've ever had in my life, you know, and so far I'm doing that. It's working. It's it's working. Thanks, yeah. Uh, people who follow me on Instagram know that I'm a genuine fan. <laughs> True seen, story. Yeah, I probably have more smoke pictures or the same amount of smoke pictures as I do of my drum set, so. <laughs> um, okay, so, wait, go ahead. Did you did you want to say something, Justin? Yeah, when it, two things. When it comes to the actual making a recipe or coming up with it and trial and error, how many times do you, once you decide, hey, I'm going for it, I'm going to make a cheesesteak, how long does it take for you to go through procurement, to get all the ingredients together and say, okay, now let me try. And then you go, wait, I got to swap this for that because the, the, the taste is off or what I was looking for in my head, I'm just not getting it. And does it remind you of writing a song or working on doing production? Absolutely. A hundred percent. Um, it could take anywhere from, like, for example, my dry rub. It took me two years to develop that, you know, about seven years ago, a, a really long time. Um, sometimes I just know what flavors are like, and they just have to go well, and they, I can throw them together really well. The cheesesteak has a really great story behind it. <laughs> um, Keith, my partner, has no, zero cooking experience, zero. There was one Sunday where I was off for my birthday, and I'm always there on Sundays, and he was unloading the smoker. And he took the beef out, and he starts shredding it like it's the pork. We don't ever do that. And he says to me, you know, man, I shredded that pork the other day, but I realized there was no bone in it. It it seemed a little weird. I said, you didn't shred that beef, did you, man? And he's like, yeah. I was like, what am I going to do with 15 pounds of shredded beef now? I mean, what a mistake, dude. You know what I mean? And I'm like, what can we do? And he's like, what a mistake, what a mistake. And I was like, yeah, like a cheesesteak. So we call the sandwich your favorite mistake because Keith made a mistake and it's now probably our most popular sandwich that we serve. That's amazing. Yeah. It's so good. So thank you, Keith, for that. I'm just gonna keep saying like I'm I'm like I ate it today and I'm just like imagining the juiciness just going in my mouth. Does Keith even eat it? <laughs> Keith is a vegetarian. But isn't that a that's I think a recent is that a recent yeah, thing? For a last at least a year and a half. But I'm such a great friend that he gets uh tofu cheesesteaks every Tuesday. Amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you yeah. have people who come in, vegetarians, vegans Absol- who ask for it? Absolutely. We we do smoked tofu. Um, we do like a crispy chickpea barbecue thing and we got it's something for everybody. We, I don't want someone to sit there and have to eat a salad if they don't eat meat. I want them to feel like they're taking part in barbecue. Do you have kids' meals? We do. We do uh, a small version of the notorious PIG called the Piggy Smalls. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, just kind of a half portion, smaller, smaller version of that sandwich. 
So it and it seems like obviously everything on the menu has a pun to it. Correct. Even uh, the specials as well, um, which uh, I know Jordan has some questions about your marketing. We'll get into the the, the genius behind that in a second. But um, it, it, who comes up with that? Is that you or is that you Which and part? Keith just spitballing the the puns for the names of the? Of oh the yeah, that's just dishes. us being dumb. So we're just goofy individuals like we're you know we're like brothers we're the, basically the same person Bert and Ernie we call ourselves so which uh, one are you come on man I'm obviously Bert fair enough yeah you know I'm taller you know <laughs> <laughs> he'll admit that he's Ernie but uh we just start saying something dumb and then the next thing you know it's like this clever name and it sticks and it's just us being us and it's just here world and we're gonna call it this and it's like oh that's a great name for this or idea for that and you know and then when you write songs about each, who does that? Well, Bert 50, or Ernie? 50-50. Bert yeah. and it's, Ernie. It's a songwriting duo of White and Thompson. You know, it's like a Lennon-McCartney kind of thing. It's Hall and Oates. Hall, <laughs> much more Hall and Oates than Lennon-McCartney, for Can you sure. do a, um, a, a whole week, maybe, of the greatest duos ever song renditions for the... Absolutely. I think that would be... And you guys... Could dress up, and then the last one could maybe be just the two of you. Is this a challenge? Is this a challenge? I think so. Because I'm not scared. Yeah, I'm throwing down the gauntlet <laughs> here. You got to do the whole week, and then on the last one, it has to be the two of you as a whole new song, not based on another song. Right. So no, I don't think anyone here. knows what we're talking about. Right. This I was going to say yeah. So so fill them in on what what we're talking about. So uh, we really take advantage of our social media. Um, it's a free platform, and people just sometimes just don't take complete advantage of it. Well, Keith and I have a musical background. He is a phenomenal musician, absolutely phenomenal musician, and an amazing songwriter. Um, he still plays in some bands now, and I jam with Keith. Well, it's been a while, but yeah, yeah. I've been I've been playing music with Keith off and on for I don't know how many years, years a yeah. long time. Yeah, and one day we had a feature, and for some reason. We had a guitar, and we just sang the name of the feature to a lyric. And that was it. It was just one thing. And I think it was like uh, uh, Suspicious Minds by Elvis. And we just ended it by saying something about whatever the feature was. And we had this idea, like, what if we could take just songs like Weird Al Yankovic and change them around and make them into what our feature is for the day? So that was about a year ago we started this. And we are now about 45 songs and videos deep into our features. And where can people watch these? Uh, you can, are definitely on our Instagram page, which is at Hickory Smoke Goodness. Um, we do one, I don't know, two, three times a week about that. Uh, we take a popular song that pretty much everybody knows, and we, uh, we have some fun in the morning, and we just, it literally happens about 10 minutes before it's recorded. So I think a really important thing for a lot of our listeners to take away, because a lot are musicians. Uh, as Keith is, and he jumped into a different field as far as getting into food. Uh, one point is that he was able to take his own natural talent and love and find a way to add value um, in a whole different arena as far as profession goes. Um, that's an advantage if you're a musician um, or really any creative uh, or person with a unique skill set. Um, what I was really interested in is the story with the cheesesteak, especially that it was a mistake. And the reason is because I found that with a lot of people in a certain profession, you learn the, quote, rules or how to color in the lines, right? 
but it's when you maybe don't have the quote formal training or you give yourself permission to try different things. That's when you actually innovate and create something new and something uh, more valuable or interesting uh, for the public to talk about and consume. Um, so just for our listeners who are musicians, um, I know the three of us, uh, we are proof of that. We are musicians first and foremost, but we found ways to uh, expand our possibilities and provide value to people in all kinds of other ways. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, man, absolutely. Uh, we have those skills, so why not take advantage of them, you know what I mean, and be creative. Yeah, so you guys are on Instagram? Yep, uh, at, at Hickory Smoke Goodness. Right, and where else are you playing? Are you on Snapchat right now? Uh, we don't do Snapchat. For Instagram is our biggest thing. Uh, we're on Facebook also. I think it's the same thing, uh, facebook.com slash Hickory Smoke Goodness. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we're just putting these videos out and pumping them out every single day, you know, as many as we can, just being goofy as hell. It, it takes us about three or four takes before we can get one of these things in. Have you found certain things that seem to engage with an audience more so than others? Like, So as far as, like, doing iterations day after day, but kind of seeing what works, whether it's posting at a certain time, doing a video uh, for a certain length. We have, every single day, at least half of our clients will come in and say, man, that video this morning was amazing. Uh, first time people every day, hey man, we follow you guys on Instagram, we love your videos, I can't wait every morning, I can't wait until 11 o'clock so I can see what you guys are gonna sing. And this happens every single day. And I can honestly say that we probably get way more than 50% of our business off of Instagram. And that's free advertising. It's incredible. It's huge. As uh, the lead singer of the duo, do you have any formal training in, uh, in being a lead singer? And, uh, and then when these people come in and they're like, oh, I love the video, do they ever ask for you to do a rendition of it? Absolutely, every single time. Because we always have a guitar handy that's usually sitting behind us. And uh, yeah, everyone always comes in, oh man, I love it so much. Hey, can you guys do the one? And we always do something dumb where we're like, hey, let's do it. Ready, one, two, three. And then we just don't do it. And it's like, that's, that's our running shtick, you know what I mean? Every I like single it. time. I think you should bring back, I think you do Elvis really well. Above everything else. Appreciate that was that. And Matt and I actually, we were laying by the pool the other night and he was singing the, um, Guns N' Roses. Yeah, he was well, whistling you guys to me. Did Civil War uh, yeah, the other yeah, day, yeah, yeah, which War. was like, when I saw that, I just, my smile just went all big. That's great. Yeah. We have, we probably have like 10, we have a list that will, will pop on our head and it's, it's, he does the same thing I do. I'll be driving in my car and a song's on and I'm just trying to sing. Like cheesesteak or Nashville hot chicken to like whatever song was on. I'm like, no, nah, it's not gonna work. I mean, what's on the next station, you know? And I'm like, oh, this is something popular. Oh, we can make this Backstreet Boys song work. Yeah, for sure, you know. Matt, does anything stick out in your head when you think about the songs? Anything you remember? Um, I just like that you guys have done so many now that there are compilation videos of them that you've posted. And I mean, look, what's what's really cool for me is I remember when you guys first launched. You probably had pretty quickly. You had a couple thousand followers. And now I'm looking at your Instagram page, and you guys have 16,300-plus 16, followers yeah. in a very short period of time. Yeah. Like, really short. Year, like, year in and a year. Half. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and you guys were always active, but it's I think in the past year, you've really embraced the social media marketing side of this thing. And it's just, it's working. I like So I've been keeping track because of this podcast, and since you and I talked this weekend... You've had over 300 people, new people, follow you guys in a couple days. That's great. Which is a lot. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 some big numbers. And if though if half of those people, or even 
a small percentage of those people come in. I mean, that's that's sick. That's Absolutely. great. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, we people tell us every day. I, I never get tired of hearing it. Well, how'd you guys hear about us? We ask everybody, and every single. I mean, every other person is Instagram. See, so, and it doesn't matter if they're 19 or if they're 60. They say, "I saw you on Instagram." What I love, what I love about this. It's something that I've preached for a long time when people ask me, like, what do I do? How do I market myself? How do I, how do I you know, build my, my social following? At the core, you need to have some kind of offering, right? So for you guys, you know, your product is your food, is your cuisine. That's why people are watching you. That's why they're coming to your location. It's to eat. But what I love about it is that you've embraced who you guys are. You're being authentic, and you're expressing yourselves based on your talents. So not only is it based on the food, which is delicious, it's like there's personality there. People go there, and if they've never met you before, even new customers, they know you already. They feel like they know you. And to be honest, they kind of do know you because that is how you guys are. You're, you're fun, you're goofy, it's playful. So by letting people in and by not giving a fuck about what anybody thinks, you guys are actually growing your business, growing your following, and building what I think to be a much stronger customer because they're connecting with you on a much different level, whether it's because you sang their favorite song rendition. Like maybe there's a huge Guns N' Roses fan that didn't know about you, but they don't even know about the restaurant, but someone's like, yo, they did Civil War. Now they're connected to you. Now they go eat your food. That's multiple points that you're touching those people with your product and with your with your authenticity. And I think for those people out there that are listening that want to know how to build their audience, start with what it is that you're pushing and what it is you have to offer, but then reinforce that with who you are. And don't be afraid to show your personality because I'm sure you guys thought to some degree, like, this is a risk. What if people think it's too goofy, right? Right. And, and you know, a year ago, like you said, it grew rather quickly. And a year ago, we had 10,000 less followers than this or whatever, you know, and we weren't doing what we were doing now. And we, it's funny because we were talking about, you know, summertime is slow for restaurants. After the 4th of July, things are slow, you know. Um, we've been getting our asses kicked every single day, man. It does, it's never slow at smoke. Um, and we looked back and we saw, you know, this time last year, we were just putting a picture up every so often of the food and it would just be me and Keith talking, hey guys, you should stop in today. Well, that's fun and all and here's two cool dudes, but we're not doing anything that's memorable. Once we got the idea for the songs, everything changed. It's so crazy to think about something that's so easy for us to do, and we enjoy doing it every day, and we look forward to doing that's, it. That's the point. And yeah. it's it just it changed everything. It really changed everything from a marketing standpoint. And that consistency is key, uh, especially, I mean, there's endless brands that we can follow in our social media, but if people can come to expect, hey, I wonder what Smoke is going to do today on Instagram, uh, whether they're entertained or really just have formed an emotional connection with you guys or just the brand in general. Um, I mean, that's relationship building, especially. And to Matt's point, you know, we want to help our friends. We want to provide um, support for the people that we care about. And it seems like you guys are able to do that at a mass scale through social media. Uh, at this point, it's crazy to not leverage to your, what you said, the, the free tool that social media has given of us. Um, what I'm interested in, have you guys found a way, um, and if not, maybe you're not interested in, how to monetize the people that are paying attention to you guys that aren't local and can't come into the shop? So do you have sauces that you can sell? 
So the original idea was we had our website built, and we wanted to have a, a shop for it where you could buy our dry rub, our merchandise, our um, sauces, and such. Uh, unfortunately, well, or fortunately, it's been so balls to the wall busy is that we don't even have time to make this extra stuff and concentrate on that right now. Um, but that was the plan the whole time. Uh, will it happen? I think so. Um, but at the same time, we're planning on expanding our wings and you know growing as a company you know to other other areas. Well, and uh, it's an interesting question that you brought up, Jordan, because I was going to say. If you're listening to this and you're not in Maryland and it's not easy to get to smoke, that's okay. You should still follow the Instagram because it's extremely funny and entertaining. And if you like good food picks, this is the way to go. Like I would like this is one of the like the food accounts that you should follow. And I was just going to say it's like no matter what you're offering, even if you can't sell your product to the customer that's right in front of you, if you provide real entertainment, they're going to follow you anyway. And that person who lives in California, when they visit the East Coast, if they go to D.C. or if they go somewhere in Pennsylvania, like Philly, it's not that far. I know people personally who have hit me up that live in New York, that live in New Jersey, that come, in, that come down and they're like, I'm going to smoke. Like, we, we get people all over the planet, literally, over the world. Hey, yeah. I'm in Denmark. We'll, we'll go live on Instagram. Hey, I'm in Denmark saying hi. I love what you guys are doing. I'm like, you're in fucking Denmark, dude. And I'm in Baltimore, you know, and you're watching my videos. Like, there's a chance that person will never even come to the United States, but they're, they know who Keith and I are, you know, and they're waiting for those videos. It's incredible. And, it's, and not only, as Matt said, to follow the Instagram account because it is genuinely entertaining, but as we've been talking about, it's a masterclass in how to leverage social media to build a brand. Um, it is working for you, and it's just one way to do it. Um, what I really respect about your answer to my question of, being able to monetize people outside of coming into your physical location is that even though you see that the opportunity is there, you're not rushing into anything and you're being uh, cautious may not be the right word, um, but strategic about it because you could easily try to do that and then stretch yourself too thin and then quality lacks either in the food or the management of the restaurant or even the social media. You may want to put more time into packaging dry rub but then you're not doing the videos every day and then it's all not working to build uh to have it seems like you have so much potential and that's probably really exciting for you um but it also seems like you're doing it uh with some strategy in mind yeah absolutely and you know we our goal the whole the whole time has been that we're going to grow this thing and make it as big as it possibly can but we're going to do it when we're ready for it now we had an opportunity last year to open up another place right across the street from here. Mm -hmm. And they were excited to have us in there and it's a great place to be. And, but I wasn't ready. I was all, yeah, I could do that. But you know, in hindsight, I'm like, what the hell was I thinking, man? Like, we're just chill trying to get this thing, you know, uh, uh, staying afloat and I'm gonna go rush into something else. And it, it would have been awful for both spots. You know, I would have spread myself thin and we, we know what we have to do and we're figuring out the way now how to do it. But we really feel that this is something that could, you know, be a, a nationwide or even a global chain franchise. You know, it definitely has the, the look, the feel, the food is there, the everything is there to make this thing that it could be, you know, a, a, a huge franchise. Yeah, you can definitely see from the logo, the food, the personalities behind it. You guys definitely have that it factor that's, that, you know, you can't really put your finger on, but you know that you guys have it. But for you guys, and 
this is something we talk about a lot, a reoccurring theme on the podcast is about actually putting the work in. And where all of us may be really busy, just like you are, um, it's sometimes hard to discern, you know, should I do this? Should I put effort into that? Should I do this? How do you find the time? Because I know if you look at uh, restaurants in general, it's a, you know, very, very, very long hours. And then you're also talking about trying to do this expansion and everything else. How do you find time to even do the videos in the morning, write, or, or when do you do them and write what you want to write for it and then record it and perform it and then get into still cooking and prepping for the day and everything else? Yeah. Yeah. So I really, really, really love what I do. I mean, I can't say that enough. Like, my whole life is food. All I want to do is just cook food every day for the rest of my life. So prepping and cooking is like nothing to me. It's like walking or breathing. It's just an extension of what I do every single day. So a typical day is we, you know, we roll in there at 9 o'clock, 9.15, and we have a little meeting in the morning. and Don't skip anything. Give us everything. Okay. Like, really break down the times. I mean, we want to know. We did this with Matt of, okay. like, what a, what's a day in the life of being on tour. Yeah. Give us day in the life of a chef, of a smoke dog who's killing it. All right, cool, man. So I, I arrive about 9 a.m. Uh, Keith and I uh, have a little powwow session in the morning. And we figure, discuss what are we going to do today. We have, this is our feature today. I prepped it last night, so what are we going to sing about today? And he'll bring out the guitar, and we'll start coming up with some really dumb ideas. And the ones that don't make it are the funniest ones. Um, and that takes, like, literally about 20 minutes, we come up with an idea. He'll pick up the guitar, figure out the chords. And while he's doing that, I'll start prepping something for, as you see, we put a picture up every day of what our feature is. So I start prepping a really pretty one for the picture. Uh, about 10 o'clock, we shoot the video. It takes about 15, 20 minutes for us to get one where we're not laughing or screaming or doing something stupid. We open up at 11. You know, I'm in the kitchen prepping my dick off all day. Uh, guys get busy on the line. I jump out there, start cooking some food, um, get back into the kitchen. I prep my face off some more. I do some purchasing. I do some ordering. I walk through the dining room and see how everyone's doing, which is one of my favorite things to do. Um, and then, uh, I mean, my whole day it r really revolves around doing nothing but prepping food and cooking food. And it's, it's really weird because it, it could be a 12-hour day of doing that, but it's, it's nothing to me. It's not work to me because I love doing it so much. And even if it's that damn mac and cheese that I've made 10,000 times, literally, I, I don't mind making it 10,001, you know what I mean? Because it's just what I do every single day, and I love doing it. What is your team like? Because obviously it seems like you're full on, full on, even if you go out and greet, the, meet the people, put the face out there for a second, pretend to sing the song and then take it away from them, and then you're right back to cooking. You can't do it all yourself. Right, right. So it's you and Keith, and then what's a typical day like? What's your team? Well, one of us, meaning myself or Keith, will always be there. So that's going to be the first interaction you have with anyone. Everyone else, we tell them not to talk to anybody. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, we hire people based upon their skill set, obviously, but we need people that mesh with us. So we have a lot of fun. Our team is, we're all family. Like, we have a small team, but these guys kick ass, and we're all very, 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 very tight. We all have each other's backs. We spend a lot of time with each other, more than we do with our significant others or our families, so we have to be very close to each other. Um, there's days where we argue, and somebody pisses me off, and I have to be Chef Josh and throw something and yell, but... 
95% of the time, you know, it's like, awesome job today, guys. Man, you guys did a kick-ass job high-fiving. Like, we love getting our asses kicked, you know, the whole thing. Great team. Great team. Is there a communal dinner at the end? Uh, I do. Uh, on the weekends, I cook dinner for everybody. It's awesome. Yeah. So you've complete, completely sold me on the fact that you love being a chef. You love cooking food. Um, do you love being a business owner? And have you had that prior experience maybe as a kid where you had those tendencies of, hey, I want to create my own thing? Um, is that as natural to you as being a, a chef? Absolutely not. Um, I love being a chef. Being a business owner, it's very hard. Um, I wear almost all the hats. Everything that has happened in the last year and a half is all trial and error. I didn't know I had to do this. Oh, I got to pay this. I got to do this. You have to do this. And a million things that I didn't know I had to do. You know, it's not just like, hey, I'm going to open up this restaurant. We got a bunch of equipment and you just flip the lights on. You're ready to go. You know, uh, every day there's something I have to deal with that I don't want to deal with because I just want to be the chef. But I'm the business owner. And at the end of the day, regardless, it's my responsibility. So I've taken that on. I've learned an awful lot over the last year. I mean, an awful lot. And I'm still learning a lot. Um, man, I would much rather just be a chef. Right. Right. But I think it's great, though, that you didn't go get an MBA or whatever, and meaning that you just started doing it, and you're figuring it out, as you said, day by day. Zero experience uh, running a business before this on well, my own. It's working, clearly. Yeah, thank you. No, I appreciate that. So I want to just take a second to go back to the food because there there is a gap that I want to fill for for myself and for the listeners. You know, why barbecue and when was that the when was that the idea? When did the light bulb go off? So when I went to culinary school, um, I was so excited about learning things that I would come home and I would try to take what I did and try to make it at home better than I could at school or do it a little differently. Um, I moved in with my brother, and I bought this, like, shitty little wood chip box that you put on a gas grill, you know. And I was like, let me try to see if I could do something with this. And got some chicken thighs and made up a little fake dry rub and did that. And I liked it. And I was like, this is pretty cool. And then the year passed, and I was doing it every f couple weekends. I just really liked it. And that's where I started developing a dry rub with different flavors. Um, and then I started working in a kitchen full time and it's, you don't really have a lot of free time. So if I did have a day off, I really wanted to spend it like going out back and perfecting like these ribs that I'm working on or like this barbecue sauce and years pass and years pass and I got better and better and better at it. I was living in Miami cooking for somebody that I hated the chef there. Um, and I got mad one day and I quit. I told him, you know, you have no idea what you're doing. I, no one respects you. Walked out of the kitchen. Uh, moved back to Pennsylvania a week later and opened up the first version of Smoke. What, which, what was it called, Smoke? It was called Smoke. It was, it was different. It was a little more cookie cutter. It was a little more old school. It was a full service restaurant. It was 100 people, you know, full service staff, yada, yada, yada. And were you dealing with the business aspects then too? I was not at all. Okay, so that's good. Yes. So that you had a different setup, but yeah, I played the role of executive chef, period, and and co-owner. So how did you transition from that place to where you are now? I mean, that's like the most recent version of the story, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And we're sorry. So I had this version of smoke in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, for a couple of years. It did well. Um, 
Uh, in a nutshell, I went through a really terrible divorce. Uh, owned it with my ex-wife. Went through a really, really bad divorce. Restaurant closed down. Um, I was 38 years old, and I had to start my entire life over in every aspect that you could possibly think of. Um, I had no money, no car. I didn't have a place to live. I had nothing. It, everything was so out of the blue. Um, lowest point in my life. Didn't know what the hell I was going to do. I never felt like this before. It was kind of like a dream, like, this isn't really happening, you know what I mean? Um, lost my restaurant. Uh, you know, didn't know what to do and called up Keith, you know, crying one day. And he's like, dude, come down to Baltimore and just stay with me, man. Just figure it out, you know what I mean? Which, uh, we, I got to talk about that house for a second. Yeah. I mean, how many people have stayed at Keith's house? I mean, when they've needed a place to go and he's just opened the doors. That's what that house is for. When, when he was younger and his mom was living there, you know what I mean? That's what she did. She took in people and if someone needed a place to crash, you go to Thompson Town, as we call it. You know, he's done it a million times for people and he did it for me. I had nothing, absolutely nothing. He said, look, man, we got the spare room. You go stay there for as long as you possibly want. I don't care. But you had a passion for barbecue. Right, so I'm down there... Uh, in the pits, obviously pretty, pretty depressed and down on my luck, you know. Um, and I got a call from a mutual friend who said, hey, uh, I saw that this TV show on CNBC was looking for chefs to, to be on it. So I was like, oh, well, send me a link. Let me see what it's about. Ends up this person is my, uh, from three years ago, is uh, now my current girlfriend sent me that message, which is really strange. Um, and there's a show on CNBC called Restaurant Startup. They take people that, it's kind of like a, uh, uh, Shark Tank. Shark Tank, thank you. Who's a part of that show? Uh, any chefs? Tim Love, uh, big tall, uh, Texan. Joe Bastianich does Italy and, oh yeah, New York. Tons of stuff in New York, yeah. Right. And, uh, Antonia, whatever her last name is, all, all really good chefs, cool. you know, well known people, you know. Right. And it's basically like a Shark Tank. You give them a pitch, I want to open up this restaurant. I need the X amount of money. You can get 30% or whatever. And then they'd go through the whole thing and you either win or you lose. So I was like, what the fuck do I have to lose? You know what I mean? My sous chef and I, at the time, from my last place, we uh, Skyped with them and they liked us and we have personalities and we're good looking dudes and we're young and we're hip and we're cool. We got this thing. And then my whole sob story was like the selling point, you know? So they flew us out to LA to shoot this show. Back to LA. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was hands down the worst experience of my entire life. So I've I've seen the the episode. Uh, I have not. I know you have not. <laughs> I watched it. And wait, we have it queued up. We're about to. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's on the big screen right now. No, no, no. But but you know, I watched it. It, it aired after you had already launched the the current smoke right. that I hold near and dear. So I'm watching this sort of old version of you and the the concept in this very uncomfortable you know situation compared to what it was even at the time at the current time then which was awesome so what was cool for me to see was like that during that show it was an interesting time it wasn't necessarily the best uh experience as you said to go through it and we can if you want to talk about that further you can but um as i was watching i was like Man, fuck this. Fuck this show. Like, this is not reality because I've had the food and I've seen what you were able to build. I know that you put 
every ounce of yourself into it. And I knew that at the time. So I watched it from this standpoint of like, you know, we're hanging out on, on the, on the top of the mountain watching you kind of make your way up. And it was just cool to see that as part of your journey, but it was definitely an uncomfortable episode. If anybody wants to watch it, I'm sure you can find it online. What was it called? Uh, Restaurant Startup. Restaurant Startup. And was it Smoke? I don't remember. Yeah, it was, it, it was Smoke. It was. Yeah, we tried to sell the, the, the same kind of concept. And I don't remember. Did you guys get the offer? No, man. It was so... The show was a TV show at first and a cooking competition second. Uh, it was very manipulative. I will never do a TV show again unless it's under very different circumstances. Um, it put extremely bad taste in my mouth. Everything was kind of set up for failure. The equipment didn't f- work. This didn't come out right. Uh, the, the, the cook that they provided for us sent out raw chicken. Like anything that could go wrong went wrong. And it was the lowest point in my life. And I felt like I was laying down and somebody was just kicking the shit out of my face while I was down. And at the end of the whole thing, they say, I knew I, we, didn't, we weren't going to get it because everything went wrong. And then it, the guy, this fucking asshole, says to me, sorry, you didn't win, but hey, I'll offer you an internship at my restaurant. <laughs> A fucking mm. internship, man? So Slap in the face. Yeah, so uh, needless to say, like I have never been that depressed in my entire life. After coming out, everything I just faced. Now, my, everything, losing my restaurant happened not even two months before shooting this show. So the, the time period was very fast. And it was, I was not in the right frame of mind to even attempt something like this and I didn't know it was going to go that bad and it was really bad I mean I was uh I was really down and I didn't pick up my knives or pan for months I didn't want to cook anymore I was kind of over it so what was what was the turning point well uh I kind of kicked myself in the ass and went on a road trip to the south um, wanted to go through Kentucky and really wanted to see Nashville and Memphis and any other places I could stop at in between. And I ate barbecue in every one of these places. And I thought it all tasted mediocre at best. And I thought, you know what? I know for a fact that everything I make that I just ate tastes a million times better. And I'd eat more and I'd be like, are you kidding me? This is, no, what? This is supposed to be pork? This pork? No, this is, this is ribs, you know? And it kept happening. And Man, I'll tell you what, like this spark happened and I got so influenced by just being down there and around all this barbecue that I knew I could do better. And not that that was bad. It was just like, you know, not what I was capable of doing. I remember I came home and I said to Keith, hey, man, do you want to I'm going to open up a restaurant. Do you want to just run it with me? And he was like, yeah, sure, man. You know, and. That's what it took, man. It took it took that trip. And for me to realize that. um I'm better than where I was at that point in my life. I'm better than that show. I'm better than all that stuff. And I have what it takes to stand up again. Have you uh, or did you experience when you were down there any of the competitions, barbecue competitions? Uh, I didn't. We were there. Actually, I was there just before whatever the big one is in Memphis, the one on the river there, like the national thing. Okay. I didn't get to see any of those. And, and competition barbecue is a whole nother A whole different world. world. Yeah, yeah. But then also, when, when I think of barbecue... Two things. Maybe those who are listening, they don't really know about the actual rub, mm-hmm. how you come up with one. And then sauces doesn't really differentiate when you go to a certain area in the South, uh, maybe sweeter, more vinegar. Yeah, well, every, so it, it, that's a good, uh, a good point on why we do what we do. So, you know, all over the United States, there are different regions of barbecue. St. Louis has a you know, style. Chicago has a style. Texas has a style. The Carolinas, you know, Tennessee, everything has their own style. Well, I'm not like partial to a specific 
type of barbecue. I like barbecue. So we have what I call modern American barbecue. You know, I took all the different flavors that I love from all over this country that have been done for hundreds of years and kind of made it into our own thing. You know, and I don't know anyone else that's doing barbecue the way that we do barbecue. East Coast barbecue. You were like the Vince McMahon of barbecue. <laughs> yeah, I am. In the 80s, it was all territories. So there was a Carolina style of wrestling and a Northern California style of wrestling. And Vince McMahon saw the opportunity of, you know what? I'm going to leverage cable and take this thing nationwide and then international. Um, and it sounds like, have you just kind of taken influence from each of these or did you lean towards more of a specific style to create what you're calling this modern style now uh no i basically just took the 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 guidebook of smoking meat you know what i mean from every region and just kind of played with it like i I, i'm not like oh well i like the way that they do the brisket in texas so we're going to use that style and incorporate this into it no man we just we smoke meat and we do it great you know, we just are presenting it with flavors that haven't traditionally been presented before. I love the conviction of like, that's what we do. We just, we smoke meat. I've got a passion for this thing. I <laughs> freaking true. love it. I went on this, this journey and I came out on the other side being like, fuck it. I'm going to go smoke some damn meat. And that was it. You pick up your knives, you get your pan. I like, was there only one pan? One pan. One pan. Cast iron? Of course. Cast iron. And you just go for it. That's, right. um, you know, that's. If, if anyone is out there still trying to figure out how do I go from that zero to one and I've got a passion for something, you just go for it and you figure it out along the way. And that's it. If I didn't just go for it, I'd be stuck in the same part where I was. you know. And I was stuck in this thing where like I'm never going to go work for anyone else after you've worked for yourself. You can't go work in a kitchen for somebody else. What the fuck am I going to do? I'm not going to cook anymore. I don't want to do any of this bullshit. But no, man, you're, you're right. If I just had to convince myself, dude, just do it. Just go for it. Don't talk about it or think about it or worry about all the bad things that could happen are just do it because you're never going to know. No, you're doing the tough stuff. Like I took a class last semester and I'm going to be a dietitian because I love food. And so there were a couple different routes I could have gone. And when I was in LA, I thought about going La Cordon Bleu was right mm -hmm. above that's, me. That's, yeah. And I thought about it. I saw how much it was. And I was like, I think I can do this, but I don't know what it was. And I'm very glad the path that I took, but I took a class last semester. I had to do procurement and figure out where do you order and how much of this do you order. And Oh, if you got it, if you're going to have a hundred customers coming through the door every single day for seven days and you've got to have breakfast, lunch, and dinner ready, and all that stuff like that, I had zero interest in. And I went through it. I just went through the motions and tried to, you know, learn a little I bit. I get off on that shit, man. But now you're, I mean, you're doing not only the cooking, you're not only busting out the pan, you're not making the rub, you know, you're not just doing what you love. You're doing the tough stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's a testament to if you love what you're doing, you can deal with the bullshit in between. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I tell myself that all the time. I'm like, you know, at the end of the day, I'm happy. This is my business. Like, I'm growing this thing, and it, it, we made it what it is 100%, you know? It's your baby. So before we wrap up, I wanted to ask uh, specifically, like, so what are the offerings at Smoke? And when in this process did you actually come up with the recipes? So, like, like the mac and cheese, for example, or... The boss dog sandwich, uh, even the jalapeno, uh, it's the barbecue sauce, right? Jalapeno pineapple. Jalapeno pineapple barbecue sauce. I really sauce want to sing the, the, uh, your personal Nashville hot chicken. <laughs> <laughs> but like, waiting for that I love one. that you know all the songs, man. It's great. I love it. It's so, it's memorable. That's great. Just, I guess, talk about maybe some of the most popular dishes or items on the menu and like, and when in the timeline and how you came up with the, the, 
recipes for them. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of the recipes I've had for quite a few years. Uh, I said I had another version of this, and even for that one, I worked on stuff for a couple years before I opened it to, to get where it is. So once I really perfected uh, or really got good at smoking the actual meat, I was like, okay, how can I make this sandwich not just a pork sandwich with some coleslaw on it? So Matt's favorite sandwich on the menu, which he's eaten a ton of, are the Boss Dog. So the Boss Dog is named after my, I had a dog named Boss. He was a, a bulldog, and I had to name the biggest and sloppiest thing on the menu after him. Uh, so this thing uh, is pulled pork with our house-cured bacon, which I could say is probably the best bacon on earth. It's pretty incredible. <laughs> uh, coleslaw, cheddar cheese, crispy onions, pickles, and a jalapeno bacon glaze on a roll. And these things aren't just thrown on a sandwich. Everything I do is there for a reason. And every time somebody bites one of those, they say, oh, man, oh, well, oh, oh I just got a taste of, uh, oh, this, you know? And everything I do, you know, it has a specific reason. That is hands down the most popular thing that we have, you know, on the menu. Um, some of our features, whether it's from the songs or not, have become some of our most popular things. We do a Nashville hot chicken sandwich, which we sell tons of every single week, you know, a buttermilk fried chicken thigh. I don't know what song you're singing in your head right now after I said The personal Jesus okay, one. Still. You remember that one? <laughs> yeah. Come on now. Your own Nashville chicken. See, I think you should always do... Buttermilk chicken fried, buttermilk milk thigh you should do everything it's like the crooner <laughs> it, it should be everything should be That's 1950s great. and you should have a oh, suit hey, on everybody come on down guys you, guys you actually you know you guys could sell like a, a record at the the front counter of like your best hits you don't you know? think that keith has not thought about of that of course he has <laughs> of course he has no, i actually i see uh, a really badass food truck with that great i mean black with that logo on the side and then you get somewhere, and you guys just get, there's not even food. You guys just get off and play a show. Right, right. You get up on <laughs> like, the top of it like the old U2 video right. and start, like, playing. Like, the back opens up. There's a drummer. <laughs> right, yeah. You know, there's not even Fireworks, equipment. Yeah, who needs, we're not selling anything. We're just going to play you yeah, a we're show. Just playing. Yeah, see you guys. What about, like, the, the sides? Because, I mean, those are popular, too. Yeah, and yeah. The uh, mac and cheese is, is definitely... All right, so the mac and cheese and our bacon wrap dates. Oh, so yeah. So we take these dates and we stuff them with the smoked blue cheese and wrap them in bacon and then deep fry them. And these things, and drizzle them with a little local honey. And no lie, we've had two different people cry on separate occasions after eating these things. They were so blown away. I mean, it's like eating candy. It, they're so fucking amazing. They really are. I have like the dumbest smile on my face right now because I know they're, it's delicious. Um, the pork belly. Yeah, the Korean pork belly is is, is probably my favorite thing on, on the menu. Yeah, it's it's it's. I mean, it's pork belly. I love uh, that I've been away and out of town during some of the most attractive dishes you guys have made as specials, and I haven't been here for. So you did a waffle cone. Yeah, that was a pretty awesome What one. was it? It was like a waffle stuffed with chicken and slaw? So I did a take on chicken and waffles where I made some uh, ranch-flavored waffle cones uh, from scratch, and we did some chicken nuggets and stuffed them inside of the ice cream cone and we rim the cone with a, we call it ranch yayo, but it's like a, a ranch powder that we use. Uh, and we rim the, the cone with that and then drizzle it with a little honey, a jalapeno honey and some slaw, and it looked like an ice cream cone. And it was really fucking good, man. So good. I'm like, I was in Europe when you guys did that, and I'm tra probably traveling on the bus somewhere through Austria. And I remember looking at that and just being like, God damn it. <laughs> was that a limited thing? Yeah, yeah. So we have our regular menu. Um, that we serve every single day. And then I 
just like to be creative. So probably we're open six days a week, probably at least five days a week. I'll throw something else that's not on the menu out for like, you know, a daily feature. If someone shows up, let's say they're from out of town, they can only experience smoke once in a extreme blue moon. What's your favorite? What do they order? You got to get the boss dog. That's like, we call it smoke 101. It's like our greatest hits. It's like everything you need to taste about smoke is in that sandwich. Here's the question, though. Do they get the slaw or do they get the chips with it? Old Bay chips. We're in Baltimore, hon. That's true. Oh, Old Bay chips. On. All right. I have one more question about, about the food because you guys also have something that I kind of wouldn't expect you or, or a barbecue shop to have. And maybe you know where I'm going with this, but you have nitro coffee. Yeah, man. Which is one of my favorite drinks. I mean, I'm a huge fan of coffee, but you guys have the nitro uh, keg basically, so or however. Yeah, it I works. mean, I don't even know any barbecue places that have any coffee, and we're serving out yeah. cold brew keg nitro coffee. That's local coffee, right? Yeah, yeah, that's Zeke's. Uh, Zeke's Zeke's local coffee. Yeah, um, yeah, man. It's funny because we because if we do that, we get. Uh, coined a hipster barbecue quite a bit. Love but is it. that just because you guys get in there early and you're like, fuck, man, I need some coffee? That's Keith. I hate coffee, and he lives on the shit. So, yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah, every time I come in, that's like that's one of the staples that, that I look for. Um, yeah, not many places it. you can go get some ribs and a cup of cold coffee. No, but um, when it comes to barbecue, you think of coffee, sometimes in a rub, right? Rub, yeah. Have you thought of doing a um, maybe like an extreme breakfast take, a waffle... Something coffee rubbed. If and I don't a, eat it, I don't cook maybe. it. Do you have egg, do you do eggs ever on anything? No. Uh, so we had this idea to do this brunch thing, and we have all these ideas, and then we get so busy, it's like we can't even you know keep up on our regular menu. Never mind this brunch menu. So we had we wrote this whole brunch menu with um, some awesome, cool, quirky names of all the shit, and we never even got to debut it. Man, you guys should do that. But so while we're here, and while I have you on record, I want to make two suggestions which i've told you before but i'm just going to keep grinding it into your head until i get to eat this from you so i want a bacon cheeseburger okay at some point made by you and i want a meatball sub yeah made by you those are and i've this is not new i've told you this you before. have told me this because i'm a huge fan of both and i think you would just knock it out of the park i know you can in fact i saw josh you asked about like staff meals you made cheeseburgers for the staff one Yeah, day, and I've actually you? done meatball subs for them, to smoke meatball subs for the staff. I don't really think of either of those for the uh, barbecue header, right. but I can but see But that's it. the point. Right. But, but I mean, you don't think of a cheesesteak for a barbecue header either, and it's one of the best cheesesteaks I've ever had. Every time we have it, you know. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's one of the best I've ever had, and, and I'm going to post a picture very soon of the one I ate today. you got to start working there, Matt. Well, that, it seems like that's what I have to do. So I've been I've been trying to to do a video with Josh and Keith where, like, so Keith has a son named Presley mm-hmm. who is probably the coolest kid I've ever met. How old is he? He's Six, seven. Seven. Yep. Coolest seven year old ever to ever live. Um, he's a drummer, so we've had this idea to kind of incorporate him and me on the drums and in smoke and Josh and Keith there. So. We're just, we're gonna have to do that right, absolutely, and you have to make one of those two items. I think I could do. that. I'll pay you out the ass for it. I don't care how much. Okay, it costs. in that case, absolutely. Yeah, I'm okay, with Jordan. Good. I thought you were gonna say, okay, look, I really secretly want to work there. <laughs> I you mean, could do a guest appearance. Look, I just love the food. I've known these guys for years. I love the story behind it. It's really cool to, to uh, you know, I've, I've known the story for a while, but it's cool to see you talk about it in person because I'm seeing the the passion in your face, in your mannerisms. I know what that feels like. And it makes me appreciate what you guys do even more. 
So I don't want to work there. I want to enjoy the fuck out of it. I just want to go there and eat there as much as I do and continue to like just tell everybody how awesome it is. I'd like to see a smoked hot chocolate croissant. <laughs> okay. You ever tried a croissant? Have you tried to make one before? Uh, yes. I've, yeah. I, okay, so I hate baking, but I'm really good at it. Oh yeah! All right, so we're I gonna. I should have told you that. That's huh? part of the uh, week of uh, duos. He does it ends the, with a croissant. He does the Walter White bread pudding. Which yeah. is, oh right, uh, which that drizzle looks ridiculous. Walter White bread pudding. Absolutely. Maybe that's what our Sunday will consist of. Let's it, do it. Is, a specific, is there a specific day for the Walter White? It's like yeah, when I wake up and I'm like, you know, I feel like cooking bread pudding today. That's usually when it happens. I've still never had it, dude. Never. It's always when I'm away. Oh man, I've never been home. It's, it's terrible. Yeah, Jordan. No, what do you I, think? I've heard of that? it's not. I've heard it's not terrible, <laughs> at, uh, by many for many people. I've heard it's the best thing ever. Chrissy actually, Chrissy Thompson told me it was just like the craziest thing she's ever yeah, had. Yeah, she's in love with it for sure. Yeah, yeah. What's up? What's I'm, up, Jordan? I'm thinking about Rice Krispie treats right now. Smoked or this, no? This is just going to go downhill. <laughs> this is going to be like, hey, Josh, can you know? Can you make me chocolate chip cookies? Can you next? smoke marshmallows to make Rice Krispie treats? I really want to know if we just stick on the. Food for like one last second. If yeah. you're not doing barbecue, if you could be making something else, or if you go somewhere and that's not barbecue related, where do you go? What's the dish? Wow. Like what? What do I? What would Any, I want? Like what do you crave when you're thinking like, damn, I can't have another pork belly today? So okay, on that note, I never eat my food. Like at, when I'm at work, I can't eat. Was there a time though that you yes, eat and that's all the, the thing is like I'll, for years I ate barbecue every single day, and then now I'm like, oh my god, I can't eat any more fucking pulled pork. You know what I mean? The, the first three hundred pounds I ate was <laughs> enough, but you, know? you didn't gain three hundred pounds. No, so, no, so how do you do that as no. well? Is that just being so active in the yeah, kitchen well, I, every day? I, yeah, I'm super. I, I exercise a lot, and you know, I'm 41. I can't just sit on my ass. I'll get fat if I just keep eating all the time. So I exercise, you know, four or five times a week, and eat relatively healthy and maintain a routine. Josh and I have had many discussions about many different restaurants that we both frequented locally or places that either one of us have been, uh, you know, at different parts of the States or in the world. I can answer that question for you in that you eat whatever is good. Yeah. You eat whatever food is awesome. Yeah. So I, I, I always tell people, like, uh, I love eating something that I don't have to cook, you know. And even if it's something, a piece of pizza, I'm just ecstatic because I didn't have to cook it and I could just sit there and enjoy it. You know, I don't have to scarf it down real fast because I'm getting ready to do something else in the kitchen. But uh, um, yeah, honestly, though, my favorite cuisines are still Mexican and Korean, like for sure. And I try to throw the Korean flair into some things that we do at Smoke, and we do some cool tacos every once in a while to get that Mexican thing going. But I still crave and eat that shit all the time. Have you gone back to L.A. and gone through, like, East L.A. and gone through? And I'm, I'm blanking on, like, there's that Korean barbecue... Um, Food truck that got huge. The dude that like bought, uh, yeah, yeah. Who's the yeah. one I'm thinking of? He uh, uh, made, bought the IHOPs, like yeah, A-frame. Yeah, it's a uh, uh, his name. Is, it's Kogi is the name of the place. Right, Koji, right, right. and his name is Roy Choi. Right, right, yeah, right. Because right. I would follow when I lived there. I would just follow. Yeah, he's got the a, updates, and that was he's got a kick-ass like high-end place in a uh, in the Line Hotel in Koreatown called Pot, which is fucking ridiculous. It's so good. Yeah, mm-hmm. again, you can see the passion. It comes out. It's yeah. like it's so natural. I love food. Me is, too, man. And I'm starving right now. What sucks is I'm doing that whole intermittent fasting thing, and I... Uh, You're done. No, I have an hour. I, oh, I started, okay, okay. Yeah, I have an hour. I didn't eat that sandwich right away when I got it today. Oh, okay. I had to wait. 
unfortunately, but I wanted to get there because I knew I wouldn't have time otherwise. Yeah, I didn't eat today until around 2, 2.30. So I guess, no, I'm done. You have a half an hour. Damn. Yeah, yeah I have a half an hour. hour. All right, so I'm going to have to eat something really quick. We'll figure it out. But um, do you guys have any other questions for Josh? Yeah, I feel like this could go even longer because I would just keep talking about food and chefs and whatnot. But maybe there's going to be a part two down the road. I, I think it'd be awesome to do a part two and have you and Keith yeah. come back yeah. um, and, and really dive into some stuff. You know, Keith has a really interesting story too. Absolutely. Um, and what amazes me about Keith, and I, this is a huge compliment, but it's not going to sound like it, but like I'm amazed at how amazing of a dad that dude is. Yeah. He crushes it as a dad. Yeah, he might be the best dad on earth. It's incredible. And I understand what you said because you would never think about that as Keith if you knew him 10 years ago. If you knew him 10 years ago, yeah, yeah totally. But no, like the best. Absolutely the best, the best and, dad. And his kid is proof of that. Absolutely. You know, they raising. made those mugs for him. Well, no, it's boy. just... it's <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. It's they knew inspiring. Keith was going to be a dad one day. It's inspiring, man. Like you see so many kids that are just screw-ups and have parents that don't give a shit and like... The kid is cool because the parents are cool. And I, I don't want to discount Chrissy either. Yeah, no, they're amazing parents. As a, as a they team, really they're incredible mom and dad. Um, but it's just awesome to see. So, yeah, it'd be cool to have Keith come on as well uh, and talk about Maybe we could do a stories. song. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> that would be an exclusive. That would be a first. fish girl. No, I'm good. That's it. Yes. <laughs> I would take the fish girl as... That's my favorite one. That's yeah, my favorite I would one. take that to, to open uh, this podcast, even if it made no sense. Because that was great. <laughs> that was so good. That's like my favorite. We're gonna we're gonna post yeah. in the group in the Facebook group. We're gonna post some of the videos. We're gonna share some of the stuff. Um, if uh, I'll send you the link too, if you ever want to join, I know a lot of people may have some questions for yeah, you. Absolutely. So I can either field them. Uh, you know, we can field them from our audience, or if you want to go in there and do like a Q and A at some point, we can yeah. always do that. We can get together. I can come into smoke. We can do like a quick live Q and A or something. Yeah, but, man, I'm into that. Um, what were we gonna say, Jordan? What's up? I think a fitting place to end is to look to the future. So I realized. You're having a lot of current success now. There's a lot of ways that you can see potential growth. Uh, so it seems like you have to really just pick one. What do you see uh, that being? What's the one thing that you would like to tackle next? Man, just an another location. Like where we are now, we're in a physically inferior location but we're kicking ass for where we are. So we know that if we were in, you know, downtown Baltimore City where all the hip, cool restaurants are, we would kick even more ass. Um, our goal right now is to make this thing into the next Chipotle. You know, we, we have sites to take this thing nationwide and reproduce it in any spot, in any city, in any state across the country and have the food replicated and be killer. That's awesome, man. I believe you when you say that. And you have to see it in order to do it. Absolutely. And I see it. Anything's fucking possible, and the fucking food is good enough for it. I'll tell you that. I would choose smoke over Chipotle any day. Sweet, man. Yeah. For sure. Right on. Well, thank you so much, Josh. It's been awesome to I talk to you. I appreciate you guys. It's been awesome, for sure. Yeah, awesome. Man. Thanks for coming. Uh, if, uh, if you're listening, we have an iTunes account. We would appreciate if you go there and rate it, give it five stars. And, uh, and if you think it's worth four stars... Fuck it. Josh says give it five stars anyway. Um, <laughs> if you leave a review, that helps us too. Um, also, if you subscribe, that's an easy way to not have to think about downloading this thing each week. If you subscribe every Monday morning, it will show up uh, in your podcast app of choice and you can start your week uh, with a guest like Josh and us here at Chocolate Croissants. 
uh, Matt, you're looking at me and you're nodding. I can't tell if you're just giving me these nods of approval that I'm doing well or there's something that you want to chime in, but it is a nod of approval. Uh, so since I am going to wrap this thing up at my apartment, uh, Josh, I'm glad to shut this computer down and the mic's off. I'm going to make you a delicious bowl of Cocoa Krispies with some 2% milk as the chef that I am. Mm. And uh, if you're listening, uh, you're welcome to... Uh, Join me in the Facebook group uh, this week. At some point, I will go on Facebook Live uh, and demonstrate how I make this bowl of Cocoa Krispies. I don't know why I just committed to doing that, but now that it's public, I'm actually going to do that this week. You have to do it. That's killer. I once made a YouTube video of how to make packet oatmeal. Oh, wow. I could share that with the group as well if anybody needs to know how to if make oatmeal. If you guys oatmeal. need a, a theme song, like a jingle, we could work on that as well. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, riveting stuff as you make it to the end of this fucking <laughs> podcast. All right, guys, we hope you have a great week. Thanks for paying attention. We always appreciate it. Bye-bye.